What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 41st episode of the PlayStation Drive. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Turford. I'm joined, as always, by the man himself, Mr. Matt Sawinski. Matt, how are you doing on this lovely, lovely Thursday morning this time? Good, sir. I am doing swell, my friend. I am ready. I'm going to see the Batman tonight, and I'm excited. I, I want to I see that, that very, very sad, scary Batman. Um, and I may have, how are you doing, Ryan? I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, it's been been an early day, but, you know, it's it's been a day. I mean, I'm... Uh, not going to be checking out the Batman right away. I will wait until it's not in theaters anymore before I, before I mm-hmm. go watch it. But uh, I mean, a lot of people are liking it, so you never know. Might actually be a, might actually be a good movie. But enough about Batman because the PlayStation <laughs> trouble. We talk about PlayStation all the time, except for when we're talking about Batman. So folks at home, mm-hmm. if you want to support the show, there's a number of awesome ways to do that. Of course, number one, you can support us by subscribing to us on your podcast feed of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or all the places you find podcasts, so check us out there. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts specifically, leave us a, a rating, you know, maybe leave us an Apple Podcast review. All that stuff helps the show grow, and it's it, it's an awesome way to support the show. And all know that, but if you're watching us on YouTube, on youtube.com slash Capri, of course, you can, of course, like, comment, subscribe, share, binge, ding, ding, ding. Ring that bell for notifications, but also, again, all that stuff helps the show get discovered. And then last but not least, of course, if you want early access to this and all of our shows, head over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Yumi Capri is how you do that. You get early access to this show, all of our other shows, plus, you know, some exclusive goodies going up over there. But uh, we have two other pieces of housekeeping that are not <laughs> our usual things that we do need to go over real quick. So number one, if you're lit, well, I mean, everyone's going to be listening to it on Friday because there is no early access for this show in particular because of something we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, but mm-hmm. Gaming for Guru starts today. So folks at home, if you don't know what Gaming for Guru is all about, of course it is. We're going to be helping raise money for the Autism Society of America in honor of our friend, the, the late, great Bobby Pauls who passed away last year um, due to COVID-19. Um, so we're going to be raising money for this charity, which was picked out by Bobby's family. Um, so we're going to be streaming basically like three straight days. And by we, I mean a whole bunch of people in the Yumi Capri community, like Console Kato, like Quest for Pixels, like Sean Capri. Um, and so if you follow the community on on their respective Twitter pages, especially if you follow Sean, because Sean will basically be retweeting Everyone streams as the, as they come about throughout the, the weekend. Um, you can also donate if you're interested. The donation link is in the show notes for this uh, recording as well. There's a ton of prizes, including a Nintendo Switch, as well as a whole bunch of game codes, both from our friends over at Xbox Canada, as well as Ubisoft, Deep Silver, and a whole bunch of other partners have you know helped you know come come together to celebrate the the life of Bobby Paul's the Nintendo Guru. So definitely check out some of these streams over these over the weekend, uh, even if you don't have bucks to toss in. And if you have bucks to toss, again, there's a lot of great prizes and incentives we're doing. So plus, you know, the the, the money's going to a good cause. So uh, definitely check that out as well all weekend long. I know Sean's doing his stream on Sunday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. He's doing a 12 hour stream. But again, lots of great community community members are going to be uh, streaming for this. So check that out as well. But then last thing we have to talk about that. And uh, this is mm-hmm. something that we have to, we, we kind of, I kind of want to get kind of ahead of uh, because this is still, you know, a, a good chunk of time away. Like we're not, you know, this isn't kind of going to be an instantaneous thing, but we're about a month away at this point. So I feel like we need to talk mm-hmm. about this at least a little bit. I'm actually going to be leaving the, the PlayStation drive. Um, basically this was a decision that wasn't made lightly. Um, but basically 
every year here at Yumi Capri, we like to kind of reevaluate a lot of our podcasts, try to see, you know, what, how, how the podcasts are going and, you know, what makes them unique and, and, and what people like about them and what they don't like about them and, and make a lot of changes as necessary. And one of the things we really noticed with this show and, and something that I've noticed just from, you know, being part of this show is that um, because I do this show and the Xbox drive, there's a ton of crossover between the two shows to the point where like, there's like three news stories we're going to talk about today, Matt, that are literally <laughs> copy pasted from the Xbox drive, you know, sheet essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm on both shows, it in a way makes a lot of crossover that makes it tough for this show to evolve in a lot of ways. Um, so effective the week of April 7th, that's going to be my last episode of the PlayStation drive with Matt. Um, and then starting the week after on April 15th, you will be getting a brand new PlayStation drive lineup with Matt and other people, which will be announcing those, you know, probably on, on the 15th, maybe ahead of time. We haven't really talked about when we're going to announce that stuff. Um, but just know this will be kind of the, the last month you have me on the PlayStation drive. I'm still going to be doing the RPG cave and the Xbox drive. So if you want to still hear about my opinions on some stuff, you can go check out those shows. But I really think that, and, and Matt, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go in just a second, but I think <laughs> that this is really going to, you know, help create a, a brand new vision for the show. And I think it's going to be awesome. I, I think it's going to be a great evolution of, you know, what we've got now and maybe we might go in a different direction with some stuff, but I'm really excited to, to see what, what Matt does with it. So Matt, take it away uh, with, with the, what you have to say about this, of course. Well, first off, I want to say how sad I am that you're leaving, even though I completely understand and respect the decision doing this with you, you know, every week for almost the last year has been one of my favorite parts of my week every week. And I'm, I'm so happy that because of you, I got to join this absolutely wonderful community. I got to meet so many incredible people and, you know, our friendship that we've grown together just means so much to me. So this was a really difficult thing for us to kind of come to terms on. Um, but like I respect it and I appreciate it. And I'm very happy that you trust me with, with your, with your baby. That was the PlayStation drive. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we're going to be, I'm, I'm, actively work looking for people um and we have some people some some things in the fire that we're working on but um i'm excited to tell you all more about it in the future i hope you stick around for the the playstation drive 2.0 i don't know whatever we're gonna be yeah. you know we're gonna, we're gonna be calling it as but yeah i'm i'm excited uh, i appreciate you ryan so very much and as bittersweet as it is i know that this next month is going to be one hell of a ride together and i like again you're going to be welcome on the show anytime and i'm sure that won't be your last appearance on the playstation drive because we're going to have much more fun to be had i was gonna say this will be this obviously won't even be the last time matt and i podcast together because clearly there's going to be a bunch of reviews coming out and like other mm-hmm. discussions and crossover stuff that you know is just going to make sense for us to cross over with so i think you're definitely seeing mm-hmm. more of that in the future and uh yeah even though i am definitely sad that we're not going to have our you know normal thursday tea time matt because uh, uh, just like you, I've also really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and um, even getting to meet you in person was really special as well back in October. So um, I, mm-hmm. I'm so very glad, first of all, for all the fans of the PlayStation Drive who have you know come out and let us know both on the Discord and on Twitter and everything else that they really enjoyed the show. And honestly, mm-hmm. again, you've earned earned the trust of the show, Matt. I think you've done a phenomenal job since you know joining the team. And I think the show is just going to be so much better you know, post the change. So I'm very excited to see where it goes from there. But again, we'll talk about that more as the weeks go on, but you know, we didn't want to drop mm-hmm. this on everyone's laps, you know, a week before and say, all right, guys, I'm bought, gone by now. <laughs> uh, we want to give us some ya. time to, of course, let this breathe a little bit before we, you know, go from there. So there you go. hundred percent. All right. Without any further ado, let's grab our H tracks, pop them in. It is time for the playlist. And uh, Matt, <laughs> even though it's been a bit of a, 
interesting news week this week. We got to talk about the games that we played because uh, we played mm-hmm. some cool games. So start us off, Matt. What'd you play? Yeah, so first off, um, I just got Gran Turismo 7 this morning, so I have not had a chance to play it just yet, but, you know, we'll have updated thoughts on that coming soon, so I just want to throw that out there. Thank you for play- to PlayStation Canada for providing us a code for that. Uh, I'm stoked to gotta get into it and and take take it for a spin, as they say. Uh, but as for the game I have been playing, Ryan, mm-hmm. I am a weak, weak man. I got sucked <laughs> into the hype. I caved, even though you gave me very great advice to wait. Um, I bought Elden Ring. I forgot to put this on the dock, but that's because I actually beat Sifu over the weekend. Nice. I finally took down the last boss, and that was kind of like one of the, the checkpoints for me where I said, if I beat this very hard game, let me make myself more miserable while playing the next very hard game. Yep. Um, so I beat Sifu, loved that experience. The last boss, like I literally took him down with like my last sliver of health on the last age, you know, gap that I had before it was game over, and I and I did it, and I'm very, very proud of myself. And then I went straight into Elden Ring. Um, I started as a samurai, played for about an hour and a half, regretted my choice and restarted the game as an astrologer. Okay. I think it is the, ma- you know, the primary magic class because I'm a giant baby and I like to throw magic from far away and not get that close. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I think this is the most I've connected with a FromSoft gate game out the gate yet. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of what these games do while I respect it, but there's something about Elden Ring's design and its open world that lets me kind of tackle things in a way that like, okay, if I'm stuck on this boss, I can go do other things and not just completely keep beating my head against the wall Mm -hmm. in frustration and just kind of like grinding out the same area over and over again. This game, like the way that it lets you explore and kind of you know, very organically find parts of the world that you're kind of like, hey, what is that? What is that over there? And then trying to figure out what to do next. Um, I'm loving it a lot. I have taken down a couple of mini bosses. I haven't gotten through uh, the first main boss yet. I I almost had him. I almost had him, <laughs> but I think I'm just a little bit underleveled. So I left to go again, just explore the world. And I ended up finding like a really cool new spell and, you know, finding different stuff along the way. So just the way that this game kind of lets you live in the world. And even though there are incredibly difficult enemies abound everywhere, I feel like just the way that you can actually utilize stealth in a way that like, feels you know important and actually feels like you can get through certain areas by stealthing your way around mm. along with the fact that just you know it's really cool that i have had a bunch of like ridiculous popping on ps5 i've heard that like yeah. and like some texture slowdowns and stuff too so technically there it, it isn't perfect but like it hasn't none of it's like hampered my experience with the game so far uh, and i'm excited to see what's around the next corner i'm actually genuinely curious to keep exploring the world i don't think i've been sucked into an open world like this in quite some time as much as i loved horizons open world um there's something about the way that the Eld- that Elder Ring sets it up that just feels a little bit more meaningful to explore, if that's a good way to say mm-hmm. it. Um, especially because you're kind of like, again, there are no quest markers. There isn't like, here, go over here to do this thing. It's kind of like, yeah. explore and figure it out. So I'm really enjoying it, Ryan. But how has your uh, continuing journey with Elden Ring been? I mean, for me, I talked about it on the show last week. I, I talked about how I, you know, like going around stealth killing enemies. And um, I was having a really good time with the game. And uh, I don't know if you do this, Matt, but I played... 30 hours of Elden Ring in four days. <laughs> so <laughs> I was really, really into this game until about the 20 minute at 20 hour mark. And then I, my interest started to wane very, very quickly. Okay. But I was like, okay, I'm going to give it maybe like 10 or so more hours and, and go from there. And ultimately at this point, I've actually uninstalled the game because I'm taking a break and I don't know if I'll ever come back to Elden Ring. But the thing is, is that, the reason why I kind of fell off a bit was not so much the game's fault. It's more just because it is such a like 
open world to the point where there's no quest markers. There's no like even low quest log. You you have some story, but this game's more about the environmental storytelling or little story hints. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't feel for me personally, there was enough carrot on the end of the stick to want me to get to that like 80 to 90 hour mark that a lot of people talk about in order to finish the Mm -hmm. game. Because even if I mainlined it at the point that I'm at right now, I'm still looking at like 30 hours more with the game. And I just wasn't really feeling that much because um, for me personally, I'm just not super into because I I don't mind open world games, but they're not like I actually prefer linear games versus open world games. That's just the way I've always kind of been. Um, And Mm -hmm. especially like I'm and I kind of liken this to travel because when I go on vacation, if I ever go on vacation, because I'm not someone that likes to go on vacation that often, I'm not the type of person that Mm -hmm. likes to, you know, go around a city and just explore stuff just randomly. That's just you know, never really been my thing. Like I don't mind go. Okay. I, I like going to certain places that I'm excited to go visit, you know, with the purpose of visiting them. Um, but for example, like the last time I was in Japan, it was just like, you know, we're just walking around and, and uh, Kyoto and stuff like that was interesting for a while. But it is one of those things where like, once I'd seen all the things that I wanted to see, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to do, you know, maybe three or four days more of that. Right. So um, I, right. in a game like this, it, I almost had the same feeling where, there wasn't anything pushing me to do anything like they weren't pushing. There was nothing that was really pushing the narrative forward or anything like that. Um, so I almost felt like I was just, you know, wandering aimlessly around the world looking for bosses and for things to do. Um, and that mm-hmm. kind of gameplay style again, just has diminishing returns for me like specifically. So at the same time, I can definitely, you know, understand why the game is getting the praise it's getting and understand why it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I can see the quality there. I definitely think it's the best from software game. Like, by by a mile at this point, like way better than Sekiro, mm-hmm. which was my my previous favorite game from them. Um, and I really enjoyed the time I played with it. I loved the boss design. I love the enemies you fight. I, I love the open ended map design that you talked about, Matt, where essentially, again, if there's a large enemy, it's not impeding your progress forever. You can run away and do other stuff and then come back. And I think all that stuff is really good. Um, but it just wasn't enough to hold my attention forever. Um, but I will still, you know, treasure my memories playing that game. Cause again, I was so like, I was so into it that I was, and, and so enjoying it that it's still a recommend for me, even, even though I didn't stick with it beyond the 30 hours. Cause I still like, I feel pretty happy even, even, you know, sinking 30 hours into a game mat and calling it a day. Like, I think that's still a good investment, even for the, the, the paying full price for a game. So I, cause I don't need every game well, to be, you know, 80 to 90 hour experiences kind of thing. So, well, that's what I mean. The fact that you put 30 hours in, it's not like you played it for two hours and you're like, no, I'm done. Like you put a significant, you could have finished multiple games in that time frame, but it, you know, it grabbed you enough that in that short time frame that you played that much. So that's awesome. And again, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to finish it either. And this isn't like uh, I'm committing to the next 80 or 90 hours, but I'm curious enough to keep going with it right mm-hmm. now. Uh, and who knows, maybe when we get me back on the show next week, I'll have a, a similar story to yours, but I do know that you took something else out for a spin, wink, Ryan. Wink. Yeah. So thanks to our friends at <laughs> PlayStation Canada. Um, I have also been playing Gran Turismo seven. I actually uh, got the game on Tuesday and I've played about 15 hours of Gran Turismo seven uh, since since Tuesday. And <laughs> this game is awesome. I'm actually really enjoying Gran Turismo seven. Um, what I like about it is, is something I talked about when when talking about Elden Ring just now. Um, it is more of a linear racing game versus something like Forza Horizon, where essentially you basically have mm-hmm. um, this like map uh, this hub um with a bunch of different you know locations on it that you'll unlock throughout the the single player campaign because yes it's a 
racing game that's basically a single player campaign. You do unlock multiplayer eventually, but you don't have multiplayer at the start of the experience, which is interesting. Okay. Um, but you can you unlock it eventually, or if you play the game in offline mode, um, you have access to that as well because uh, the game is an always online game. I saw a lot of hubbub about that this week, but um, they they talked about it. it. It's like an anti cheat measure essentially because um, there used to be a lot of cheating in previous. Gran Turismo games and they didn't want the, the community to kind of, you know, cheat a bit, especially because of the way the single player ties into the multiplayer, because essentially you've got your suite of cars mm-hmm. that you unlock in the single player that you can tune in the single player that you can then take online and race against people. Um, and because of that, they didn't want people to, you know, break that system, essentially, which is why it is an online only game, despite the fact that it's like 90 percent single player, essentially. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. really enjoying it. Like it, um, the, the cartooning is really fun and streamlined. In fact, I know you were worried about that last week, Matt, when we talked about that. Um, but essentially, mm-hmm. when you go and kind of add parts to your car, um, it works very similar to previous Grand Turismo games. But I think it's actually even a little more accessible than that where essentially each car part basically tells you, hey, this is what this car part actually does. And then on the right, you see like a stat breakdown of what it actually does to your car. And then once you install Mm -hmm. it, that's it. You can tinker with some stuff if you want to get like that extra, like 1% more percentile out of the part. But it's (laughs) but for the most part, if you play it with just the stock options that you buy from the the, the car car shop, like it totally works out. Um, but then there's a whole bunch of different races all across, you know, North America, Europe and uh, and Asia. And basically there's different cups associated with them. And you'll basically unlock them as you go throughout the experience by utilizing the the mm-hmm. feature that they talked about during the state of play called the Gran Turismo Cafe, which is basically like this right. cafe in the middle of the woods that you drive through and, and you earn what's referred to as a menu. And then each menu basically has a list of objectives on it. It's basically like a quest from an RPG, essentially. Um, It's like, hey, go Mm -hmm. get, you know, higher than third place in this cup. And then you'll or unlock these three cars. For example, you'll get stuff like that. And then you'll earn Mm -hmm. rewards from that, such as, you know, new cars, new in-game currency. Um, You'll unlock new tracks as well, because, again, not all of the tracks are unlocked from the beginning again it's very old school in its, mm-hmm. in its game design you're, you're basically unlocking things as you go and yeah I, I thought that it was that gameplay loop was like really satisfying and cool and it really like encourages you to not just stick with one car the entire time for example there are certain cups that you have to win in order to to fulfill the menu system that require a very specific type of car. So there are ones, for example, in Jap- like in the Japan cups that require like a very, a, a Japanese car that's like front wheel drive essentially in order to compete in it. And then other ones require like a, okay. four, like a four wheel drive car and, or a, a forward driving car. So you basically have to like make sure you have like a, almost like a suite of cars kind of lined up mm-hmm. um, in order to basically take down all of the different races. Um, and then not only that, but one of the, my, the most satisfying things in all of Gran Turismo is returned with the license, uh, license system where essentially you go do a bunch of licensed driving tests, essentially, and you earn different, you know, driver's license, like, uh, the B license, the A license, the S license, and then so on and so forth up the chain. And those unlock new features as well. And those drills are really fun to go through. They, they not only teach you to be a better driver, but they're just fun little mini activities that, that, for example, like. Uh, making sure you stop on, on a specific stop with a really fast car or teaching you how to utilize the racing line and a bunch of other cool stuff. So yeah, all more to cool. say, cause we'll be doing like a discussion about this at some point, Matt, um, mm-hmm. now that you have a game, have the game, but I'm really enjoying this game a lot and uh, I think it's pretty awesome, but 
I, I will open the press floor so, to, to Matt to ask a question. <laughs> yeah, Matt Swiski from the press floor. I have a quick question, uh, Sir Ryan. Um, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the DualSense implement- implementation and how cool mm-hmm. it is. Can you please speak to that? Yes, point? I forgot to Matt mention Swiski that, the but pool. the DualSense controller uh, is amazing in this game. You can really feel the road, but also the way the triggers works. It actually like... I, w- I, I was thinking about this while I was playing. I was like, this feels like a real pedal essentially because of the, the resistance it gives as you're holding down, you know, the triggers to pedal, but you can especially feel it actually with the brakes in particular. Cause like it okay. really encourages you to do kind of the half step on uh, the brakes essentially to kind of get more of a smoother brake experience, or you can like slam on the brakes by, by, you know, pushing really hard down on the left trigger essentially. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, but, but if you're like driving on a dirt road, you can definitely feel like the, the controller kind of shaping up and down as you're, you know, driving on the dirt road. It almost feels like, you know, you're driving on a bunch of rocks essentially. Um, uh-huh. so yeah, I think the dual sense implementation is like really awesome in this game and, and definitely like a, a really immersive feature that I wasn't expecting, um, going into this. Uh-huh. Um, and then last, I'm so excited to check. The- yeah. Sorry. I was go gonna say the last thing I want to touch on, cause I didn't mention it before visuals in this game are gorgeous. They look incredible, yeah. but I will always recommend play this game in performance mode. There is a ray tracing mode, but the ray tracing is only supported in the replays in playing in retracing mode. And then the frame rate's not amazing in that mode. Whereas it, it runs at a buttery smooth 60 frames per second. If you play in performance mode and still looks gorgeous. Like this is a very good looking game, especially because again, it's not like an open world, like something like Forza horizon is. Um, so they really only have to render these smaller, smaller tracks. Um, but, but all the environmental effects and skyboxes that they have kind of outside the track look really beautiful. Plus the cars themselves look amazing. So I, I think this game visually yes. looks really good on PlayStation five as well so well more to say i'm ex- i'm excited to check it out yeah because it's like you've just raised my hype even more ryan like i had some like i haven't been in racing games for a while like forza horizon was like my first return to racing in a while and i haven't actually played gran turismo before but the way that you talk about it makes me excited to check it out mm-hmm. so i'm excited to, to have a deeper discussion with yeah, you. yeah for it. sure especially because again i think we, we're coming from two different angles because again you're new to the series whereas mm-hmm. i've played every grand Turismo game going back to PlayStation one, like play like in fact, my, my brother Kyle, cause I know he listens to the show would always, would probably be able to tell these awesome stories about me playing the game on PlayStation one and being so into it that I was like fine tuning my cars and doing all kinds of wacky stuff. Like I mean, I took like a 1997, you know, Nissan skyline and, tuned it up so high that it had like over a thousand horse horsepower, but it couldn't turn left. So yeah, just trying to see how I can break the game by like, you know, having this car that, you know, goes zero, zero to 300 in like two seconds essentially. But again, it can't turn left. So it's like, how do you, how do you finish the race at that point? So just oh doing God. all kinds of crazy stuff like that. I have a lot of great memories with Gran Turismo. So again, I'm excited to talk about there. And I think this game really does the series justice more than anything so yeah we'll talk about nice. it later after after we both had a chance to play it more but enough about this let's slam the brakes on this conversation 23 minutes into the show because it's time to talk Woo. about some breaking news so first up we got our march playstation now games um we talked about it a little bit last week on the show how about how we didn't have the the count yet but we now we do so we got shadow warrior 3 which we talked about on the show last week that's going to be only available until mm-hmm. july 4th but as we talked about on the show last week, it is a day and date PS now uh, release, which is awesome to see. But then we've also got crisis remastered uh, Reltica. I think that's how you say it. And then chicken police paint it red. Those are the four games 
on PlayStation Now. I mean, obviously, if you're interested in Shadow Warrior 3, but you don't want to, you know, plunk down day one money on that game, like, it's a no-brainer probably to pick up PlayStation Now probably this month and and dive into it that way. Um, but otherwise, mm-hmm. I think it's an okay lineup. I will say Crisis Remastered, I've talked about it in the show before, I don't think that's an amazing port of Crisis. It just doesn't run very well. Um, and even after a bunch of patching, I still don't think it runs as well as I would have hoped. Um, but Crisis is a, mm-hmm. is a really good game. Um, so there's that there. And then the other two I've just never heard really heard of. So Matt, what do you think about this lineup? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are. Um, as I said before, I've never played any of the Shadow Warrior games. Well, it's exciting that this is coming day and date. It doesn't really do much for me personally. Never played Crisis either, and I've never even heard of Relicta or Chicken Police, though I did see some people excited about Chicken Police uh, on Reddit when people when this was announced. So maybe it's worth a, a look into. But yeah, I think I think for me, it's it's an OK month. Doesn't really like, well, it's exciting that there's a new game day and date. Uh, the rest of it, I think is whatever. It's not really for me personally, yeah. but. Yeah, and I, I, that's kind of the feeling I get with most PS Now months. So, I mean, I think this is probably like an average month for, for PlayStation Now. But mm-hmm. next up, the Dice Awards actually happened uh, about a week and a half ago. But there was a set of interviews that came out after the Dice Awards. that, And we got this story that came out about six days ago. Talking to Housemark, basically after um, Returnal won some awards at the Dice Awards, um, they basically did an interview with, with some of the, the developers over at Housemark. And in an interview with Housemark, they talked about how their next game is not actually going to be a sequel to Returnal. It's going to be a brand new IP. And they, they talked about it in the interview how it's going to be closer to their arcade roots than even something like Returnal was. So we don't really know too much information about it or a time frame. It sounds like at the earliest, it's probably a 2023 game. Um, but Matt, what do you think mm-hmm. about this news that the next game for Housemark is not a Returnal sequel like a lot of people were really hoping for after that game's success? I loved Returnal, but this doesn't really surprise me. Housemark hasn't traditionally really been one for sequels, if I'm if I'm correct on that. Like they're they've usually gone towards new IP game to game. Um, so this for me, while like Returnal was, you know, by all accounts a good a big success and a lot of people really vibed with it, it did take a while for people to click with it on top of the things like, you know, a checkpointing system that a lot of people are asking for. Um, so this to me, like I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a sequel to Returnal in the future, mm. um, but maybe that's four or five years down the line. Well, I know people were hoping for something like, you know, an expansion or DLC or a sequel. Um, well, I do think it's disappointing that we weren't getting that imminently. I do like that Housemark continues to do what Housemark likes to do and continue to work on new IP after new IP. Um, I just, you know, it's exciting having a new world and, and a new adventure to go yeah. on. Um, the arcade, the kind of return of the arcade style is, is for me, I have to see what the game is before I get excited about that. Just because I'm not the biggest fan of their other more arcadey experiences while I really loved Returnal. Um, but yeah, I think it's cool and I, I'm excited to see what it is, Ryan. But what about you? Yeah, I think this is, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think they definitely don't like to do sequels traditionally. In fact, the only series that they did more than one game for was Super Stardust. And that was it. Like um, we didn't see an out like an Outland uh, sequel or a Resogun sequel or anything like that. Like they've always tried to do new IPs. So I'm excited to see whatever mm-hmm. this is, you know, in the future. I, I really like Housemark as a developer and uh, I really I, I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite side of the fence where I think I liked their more arcade style games more than Re- as much as I, I did or not Resogun, uh, Returnal. As much as I did like Returnal, I think mm-hmm. that I, I like more of their stuff, you know, like Next Machina um, or or Resogun a little bit more. Um, but it doesn't sound like they're going that in that type of direction either. Like it doesn't sound like it's going to be a 2D game. It's probably going to be more of like probably taking ideas from Returnal, but then going more of an arcadey direction with it. That sounds like 
the vibe I was getting from this interview, but I guess we'll find out next year. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it sounds like this is pr- still pretty far away, especially because I think Returnal DLC is coming out at some point too. If I, if mem- if memory serves correctly, mm-hmm. so um, that'll probably be this year, and then next year we'll see whatever's next from Housemark. All right, next up, Tango GameWorks have released a prequel to Ghostwire Tokyo in the form of Ghostwire Tokyo Prelude, which is a free visual novel that sets up the story of the main game while also giving the player info on events that happen before Ghostwire's story picks up. Um, this just kind of dropped on the store kind of out of nowhere about yesterday, and uh, I've downloaded but mm. I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, but I'm definitely going to be checking this out probably before next week's show because um, I'm actually really excited for Ghostwire Tokyo. I love Tango Gameworks' games. I love horror games, and I like Japan. So, I mean... I'm I'm really excited to find out more about kind of the lore here. Like th- this visual novel has like an anime style to it as well. So I'm excited to check this out. But Matt, what do you think about this news? Yeah, I love this. I think this is super cool. I'm also really excited for uh, Ghostwire Tokyo and to have like a bit of a visual novel, which I'm also a massive fan of, um, you, kind of you know, to kind of set up the story and to create some lore building even before you step into that world. Uh, you know, with the main game. I think this is so cool. The fact that it's free is also just a really easy way to get kind of get people in. So if they do like the vibe of it, then it's a pretty easy transition to be able to pick up the game later on. Uh, I think this is really cool. I hope we see more of stuff like this. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, here's like a, a demo of the game in terms of like the, exactly the way that it is, but stuff like this, like a little spin-off, not really a spin-off, but like a prelude uh, in a different style. I think it's really cool. And I'm excited to uh, to dive into it. I downloaded it as well. But yeah, I just haven't had time to actually get yeah. in it yet. But I definitely will before next week's show so we can talk about it because this yeah, looks I mean, dope. It pretty much came out like last night from the night we're recording this like pretty late. So I mean, for the yeah. most part, we, we just didn't have time with this one. But again, super cool idea. And I, w- I wish we would see more of this type of thing. Because um, the last time I think we got something like mm-hmm. this was like um, when De- before Dead Space 2 came out, they did this like, uh, motion comic that was on Xbox Live Arcade that kind of set up the story for that game, like the in-between events between Dead Space 1 and 2. So I think that's the last time I remember someone doing something like this. So I'm excited to check it out. Plus, I like visual novels, so there's that too. Next up, Capcom mm-hmm. has announced that a PlayStation 5 ver- optimized versions of Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, and Resident Evil 7 are all on the way. It will be available later this year. Existing owners basically get the upgrade to the PS5 version for free. Thank God for that. Um, but they didn't really go into yep. details about what to expect as far as what's going to be different. Um, but Matt, what do you think about the announcement that these games are all getting PS5 versions? I think it's cool. I think the fact that it's free is just such an easy sell. Like I'm hoping that the like the base price for these games don't really change at all because I'm sure you can catch a lot of these uh, deeply on sale. Resident Evil 2 is the only one that kind of stands out for me just because I was curious about that game when it came out. Um, I still need to finish Resident Evil Village. So that's kind of, you know, bumps that up the list a little bit for me in terms of, you know, the order in which I'm going to be playing stuff. Uh, I think this is cool. Like while three and seven doesn't really do much for me, I'm not really, you know, interested in going back to seven. Um, and maybe if I really like two, then I'll, then I'll join into three, but this does raise the chances of me going to these games at all. Uh, just because again, I can know I can play a, a better optimized version for the <laughs> PS five. Um, and the fact that it's free again, is just awesome. I, I love this kind of stuff. I hope that this kind of becomes again, more of the standard hint, hint, nudge, nudge, um, towards these free upgrade paths. Uh, it's just a nice, simple way to enjoy the experience no matter where you're playing. So I think this yeah. is dope. I think this is awesome news as well as someone who is, I mean, to be fair, I play Resident Evil. I, I've recently replayed Resident Evil 2 like every three months. I've beaten that game eight times now, Matt, as far as like the remake, not even mm-hmm. the original version, which I've also beaten like 10 times as well because I love Resident Evil 2. It's one <laughs> of my all-time favorite horror games. Um, so I'm very, it's so like, 
God forbid they give me another excuse, you know, to go back to the game again. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shucks. I guess I got to play Resident Evil 2 again. Um, but to your point, Matt, about the price raising, I think this is the type of thing where we've seen with, when these types of games get upgrades. It's a long time before they go on sale again. And usually the, the price mm-hmm. doesn't go back to full price, but it also is higher than probably what the price is now. So I will say that if you don't already own these games already, they still come up on sale a lot. So I recommend grabbing mm-hmm. them now bef- while they're cheap and before they, the, the price, you know, stays not on sale, at least for, you know, another six months, probably after these optimized versions come out. So that's kind of my advice, especially because they have a bundle pack with Resident Evil two and three that goes on sale all the time. Um, and it's usually pretty cheap, like maybe $25 Canadian for both games. So you can't really argue with that. Plus again, to your point, Matt, if you, play Resident Evil 2 and like it, you're definitely going to want to play 3 at that point because I think those are both really solid games. And then 7, I'm glad to see it getting updates as well. Um, So yeah, I'm excited to see what these changes are. But my advice, grab these now. As soon as you see them go on sale, I would grab them if you were at all interested um, because I think it'll be a while again before they go on sale after that. And then last news story this week, Bandai Namco have announced Pac-Man Museum Plus, which is a collection featuring 14 Pac-Man titles, as well as a customizable virtual arcade. It'll be coming to PlayStation 4 on May 27th. I actually really like Pac-Man, so I'm actually excited about this announcement because it looks like it's going to be a really good collection of Pac-Man titles. My only disappointment is that my all-time favorite Pac-Man title, Miss Pac-Man, not in this collection, but there's a lot of good games in here besides Ms. Pac-Man. So I definitely think it's, it's worth checking out. Uh, but Matt, are you all excited? I don't even know if you like Pac-Man. Where's Battle <laughs> Network? Anytime that there's any collection announced, I will come back to this. This is fine for fans of Pac-Man. I know it's not Capcom. I know Ryan. But for me, yeah, no, this this doesn't really do much for me. I'm not really a big if anything, fan. Um, just call me if Battle anything, Network. I thought you'd be more offended that when I talked about the Resident Evil story all about Capcom, you didn't mention Battle Network there, but you mentioned it when we're talking about Bandai Namco. Like, what's going on here, Matt? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stick One to the day. narrative. Never One forget. Um, but I'm glad that to see Bandai Namco <laughs> doing more collections like this because I think that gives me hope to because there's a lot of older Bandai Namco titles that w- I would love to see get re-released because we're also we're, we're seeing them do this and Klonoa. Um, and I think they have like a really extensive back catalog that um, I would love to see kind of uh, uh, like re-releases for, especially the Tales series in particular. Um, like a lot of those games are either Japan only or they're stranded on consoles that people don't want to pull out right now. So um, I would love to see more of that maybe, but can I, can I add a story yeah, to the what's docket the story real quick? Uh, because I, I just remembered about this and I forgot to put this in, but we finally got word yesterday uh, that the legend of heroes trails from zero is coming to the West in September. We got a release date of September. What was it? September 27th in North America. I'm really hyped about this. I love the Trails series. Um, Trails of Cold Steel 4 is like on, like I loved 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I love Legend of the Sky. And to finally be able to play Zero, which was famously like adds a very fundamental part of the story from a neighboring area, um, but it was never localized. There's a bunch of fan translations out there for it if you want to play it that way, but it is finally coming. And I'm very, very excited about it. I just wanted to drop that release date in here very oh, quick no. before we move on from news because I'm hyped about this. Yeah, thank you so much wait. for doing that. I completely forgot that that news came out this week so i'm very glad that you added it to the doc because i know both of us will probably be playing it and i'm very excited to to check that out as well also if you want to hear us talk about you know the neon falcom the company that makes 
that the, the trails of cold steel games or um the the ease games or any of these other things listen to the rpg cave this weekend uh garrett and i did an hour-long discussion about neon falcon we talked about their history as well as you know um some of their titles and maybe we do like a trails of series maybe maybe with a certain you know other person on this podcast maybe later in the year but maybe to kind of celebrate the release of this game so there you go so that's really exciting but of course let's let some of our friends into the car with us it is time for the carpool um with our with our one question this week coming to us from todd oxtra at toxtra who asked the question why do you think sony front-loaded their year again sifu mlb the show horizon and gran turismo 7 are all coming out within two months there are no major April, May, or June releases currently. So do they have any more room to breathe this year? Matt, what do you think about Todd's question? Because he does bring up a good point. Like, after MLB The Show comes out, you know, what else is coming from Sony First Party this year besides maybe God of War? Well, I mean, Forspoken is going to be an exclusive coming. Well, it's not Sony First Party. It is going to be an exclusive to PlayStation. So and that's coming out in May. So I would also, you know, count that as something that's, you know, an exclusive coming to PlayStation this year. I don't think that that's all that they're doing. I think they have more surprises in store. I just think that right now I really do feel like there is a massive state of play incoming sometime in the next little while to talk to us about whatever Spartacus is on top of like just updating us with what's coming for the rest of the year. I don't see any sense for them, unless there is a slew of delays coming later this year that we just don't know about yet, um, that they would front load all of this again without, because, you know, last year it was very obviously because of the pandemic and everything going on. I don't see that happening again this year. I think they have a lot that they're not telling us, whether that's, um, you know, first party, first party games or deals that they have for exclusivity with third party studios, um, you know whether it is Final Fantasy 16, if that is actually imminent this year, if that is God of War, um, if there are some of these juicy rumors about other first-party uh, Sony titles coming back that are supposedly launching this year, I think there's a lot more that we don't know about. Uh, and I I really do think that this is going to be a massive year for PS5 if the front of this year is any indication, because I do think there's a lot more coming that we just don't know about yet, Ryan. But am I off base so here? So I think, like, actually... Looking at this list of games, I think this the beginning of the year only feels front loaded because like stuff like Horizon and Sifu were supposed to come out last year and then they got delayed to this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas uh, at this point, the beginning of the year would have just been, you know, Gran Turismo and MLB The Show essentially, and then Forspoken to your, to your point. And that would have been kind of the beginning of the year. So it would mm-hmm. have been a little more balanced rather than cramming everything into to a two month period. Um, I just don't think they, they, they expected mm-hmm. it to go that way. But they kind of had to release Horizon, you know, get it out the door when it was ready kind of thing, um, even though they, their release timing, mm-hmm. of course, was kind of poor once again, you know, releasing a week before Elden Ring. But, you know, that's neither, neither here nor there. Um, but as far as the question is concerned, I, I agree with you. There is probably some stuff that we don't know about, but I'm going to be a little more pessimistic than you on this, Matt, because I do think that while there is stuff that they're not telling us. I don't think it's going to be a huge fall for PlayStation again this year. Um, Assuming God of War comes out Mm. this year, which I'm still in the camp that thinks God of War is coming out this year. um, I think that'll be maybe Mm -hmm. um, because I was, my original prediction was April. Obviously that's wrong at this point. Um, But, but I think it's probably closer to what you talked about before when we did our predictions, Matt, like it's probably is an August or September game at this point for, for God of War. And I think maybe their big thing this fall isn't, a particular game it's playstation vr 2 i think that's probably like the launch of playstation vr 2 and then the games that go along with it rather than having like a big first party release this fall um and then beyond that i think they might have one more game over the summer and then 
that might just be it for first party this year. Like I, I I'm thinking that that's more realistic and more, more what I'm expecting to see from them this year. I'd love to see more. I'd love to see maybe, you know, them having like four or five first party games that we don't know about that are coming up this year, but I just don't see that happening. And plus it's not really their, their usual MO anyways. Um, like any announcements that we get coming up at maybe a, a state of play, I think we'll be more geared towards next year. Um, or maybe they'll announce a release date this year, but then it gets pushed to next year, let's say. So yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But I personally don't see like a giant glut of games as well, but I don't think Sony needs it either. People are still buying the hardware anyways. And then I think it gives the breathing move that PSVR two probably needs this fall um, to, to really get people kind of into that rather than having to buy a whole bunch of launch a bunch of first party games around that. I think like just having it have its own window for, you know, three months over the holidays, I think would be the the perfect, perfect uh, release window for that. So are you saying you now do think PSVR 2 is coming out this year, I mean, year, I'm more Ryan? in the camp now than I was, you know, a month ago when we first talked about it. But <laughs> I'm, I'm still not 100% convinced <laughs> yet. I mean, at, th- at this point, it's like, neither, who but. knows, especially because it is hardware. Plus, we learned recently that there are parts in the PSVR headset that also are used in the PlayStation 5 and they're not in massive supply. So how many, you know, how many resources mm-hmm. are there willing to you know, take away from PlayStation 5 production to put into PSVR production, assuming that it comes out this year, rather than maybe waiting till next year where, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the parts shortage isn't as bad. But we'll see. Anyway, anyways, Fair we gotta enough. get going, but before we go, Matt Plugs go. Yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at burnout underscore Matt. You can also find me over at youtube.com slash burnout brighter and, 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 and for any fans of the boys, we're actually doing a sponsored stream tomorrow night. Well, to the, so the day that this was going up on March 4th, we're going to start at 8 p.m. EST. We're doing a sponsored stream with uh, Phenology for the new The Boys Presents Diabolical, which is like a short anthology animated series that is kind of going alongside, um, you know, before The Boys Season 3 comes. So we're going to be starting at 8 p.m. EST and going for just over two hours. We're going to be watching the whole thing front to back um, over at twitch.tv slash burnoutbrighter7. So come hang out with us. We're very excited. And that's going to nice. be a lot of that's fun. That's awesome. Well, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You can find us on Twitter at Yumi Capriz on YouTube at youtube.com slash Yumi Capri and on podcast services around the globe. So... From Matt Sawinski, I'm Ryan Turford. This has been episode 41 of the PlayStation Drive, and we're out. The PlayStation Drive is fueled by patrons over at patreon.com slash Capri. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you to our over 70 patrons, starting with our Capremium producers, Dallas Ford, Jonathan Brown, the man behind the music on the Xbox Drive and the Nintendo Drive. You can check out his new album, In My Element, over on Apple Music, as well as his website, and Lee Navarro, the fearless leader of the Phoenix Overdrive Extra Life team. Our platinum producers, Robbie Bobby Miller and Trucker Sloth, and our gold members, Argo, Brandon Myers, Dallas Robbins, Dano, Emily O'Kelly, Foolish Fuji, Joel Brooks, Jose Jimenez, Mac Time, Marcus O'Neill, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, RJ Kern, Skinny Matt, Tony Baker, and Xavier Reyes. Thank you all for all of your support. And if you're interested in joining the Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash Capri and pick the tier that's right for you.